we had to start renting a basement and we were living there. And I remember like back then um, going to school, you know, life was simple. Um, but I would, those were, those were some of the happiest times in my life. Um, it was just myself, my brother, my mom and my dad. We didn't have a ton of money, but we would still find things to do that was that were a lot of fun. Like on the weekends, we'd go to the library together. We'd go to the mall and we'd have routines. Like I'd go to Sunday school on Sunday and then afterwards we'd go eat chicken wings. And you know, these are some of the, like the literally the best memories of my life. And it has nothing to do with money or anything. It has everything to do with family. Deep Conversations fun games, and life skills with inspiring entrepreneurs. This is Games with Entrepreneurs. What is up, Jack Nation? Try that out. Welcome. This is a brand new thing that I've been wanting to do, and I'm super excited to have this guest on. I've known him through the years now. He's got a great YouTube channel with over 180 from last I checked. Right, Chris? <laughs> yeah, it's climbing. Is climbing 180,000. All right, that is 180,000 subscribers on YouTube where he teaches people how to code. So, if you want to learn how to develop your own iPhone app, you can do that. Just go to Code with Chris on YouTube or just go to codewithchris.com. But this is a concept that I've had for a long time where in 2019 I said, All right, it's a concept I've had over a year. I really want to make it my resolution, and have deeper conversations with people I know in the app space. So instead of bringing entrepreneurs on to talk about the hows and how they did this and how they did this, I want to learn about the why they did this. So without further ado, here is my friend, Chris Ching. Again, codewithchris.com. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve, and hi, everyone. Chris, thank you so much for saying yes, because you have no idea. You have no <laughs> idea. You're like, well, I don't know what I'm saying yes to. Yo, know, if Steve reaches out, I'm going to say yes. Oh, and you know, you, you've had tons of experience interviewing a ton of people. I know I'm in good hands. And I was just like, I, I don't know what to prepare for, but whatever, let's roll with it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't even give you anything. I was just like, hey, dude, I got a new show that I really want to do. I'd love to have you on. You said, yeah. So I'm super excited to have you on. Dude, I got to tell you before we start the, the actual show, I brag to you, my family about you all the time. Like, I know a friend. No way. Yes, dude. My, my <laughs> loves YouTube. And so I always, blow awesome. I've got a friend. He's got over 180,000 subscribers on YouTube. And my friend's like, really, I mean, my friend, my son's really like, wow, cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'd love to meet them one day when I come, come over there where you are. And you got two kids, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I do. I've been meaning to visit for a long time, just the area where you are, because I have a ton of friends there. And um, last time my wife and I visited there, we loved it. The food scene and everything. So Please good. let me know, man. So good. Yeah, we'll take you off to dinner. All right, Chris, here we go. So here's the concept, Chris. You see my screen? Yeah. We've awesome. got this five board. Awesome. And here's what we're going to do. So this is all about you, Chris. All right. And here's today's category. So we've got three different categories, and you're going to pick which category you want to go for. So oh, I love it. The Jeopardy board. It's very similar <laughs> to this. So yeah. We've got your personal life, Chris. Okay. Okay. We got a lovely wife with two kids. Mm -hmm. We got business, obviously. Mm -hmm. We want to keep this impactful. You're an entrepreneur. We got a silly category. <laughs> okay. okay. So now you're gonna pick 100, 200, 300. Now the the tougher <laughs> questions are obviously in the 500. You don't get any money for this, Chris. <laughs> All right. So, All right. <laughs> but you get to pick which category you want to start off with. All right. So 
you know, I already see a flaw with the Hulk spy board concept. And that is you're assuming that I know how to play Jeopardy. <laughs> That's right. True. But luckily for you, I do kind of know. <laughs> I've seen some shows. So I'll go, uh, I'll go business for 100. Let's start with that. All right. We're going to keep it fresh and light. So what led you to pursue Code with Chris full time? All right. So uh, I'm going to keep it simple because there are so many questions from there on the board. But it kind of started as an accident, really. I was working full time at a software consulting agency where we built apps for other clients. And I wanted to climb my career. I wanted to do really well. And so we had a CTO who said, this year's mandate for all of you developers is to get out of your comfort zone, go out and mingle with the community, get to know people, start a blog. And so that's what I did. Uh, I started a blog where I posted my lessons learned. And I was like your typical developer. I didn't really like talking to people. And so I was like, what is the thing that I can do that I cannot really talk to people? And that was posting things on a blog, posting my lessons learned. And oddly enough, I also chose to do a YouTube channel, which I didn't show my face for a while. It was just lessons on um, iOS. And uh, then I started gaining an audience. People started learning. I started getting good feedback and I, I have no teaching background. Uh, but it was amazing that people were getting it and I was so happy to see the results. So I was doing that on and off just on the side as a hobby. And what then was this, Chris? this was in 2013, January. So that's oh. kind of when Code of Chris really started. Um, but for those of you who have been in consulting before, especially software consulting, you know that there's a tendency for the salespeople to, to what is it, undersell the product, oversell the project? Oversell, yeah, oversell the project. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's up to the delivery team to deliver on that. And the timelines and budget doesn't always line up. And so there's always crunch periods. But when I was younger, I would get through these no problem, right? The last two weeks, we'd spend you know, close to all-nighters just getting it through, satisfying uh, the client and getting a good project out there. But it got to a point where there was a straw that kind of broke the camel's back. And I came into work uh, the next day at 9, having stayed at the office till like 3 a.m. The, the previous day. This had been going on for maybe a week or so. And my back hurt, my eyes hurt. And I was just like, how much more of this can I take? And thinking back on the satisfaction that I got from teaching people online, I was like, if... I feel so much more satisfied doing that than building apps for clients. And if I could do this full time, that would be amazing. That would be my dream. So that's what led me to pursue code with Chris. And I actually uh, quit my job knowing that full well, I could return and I could find another job. And I gave myself eight months to try this out. And then that's awesome. did you yeah. have a game plan? Like how are you going to monetize? Are you gonna <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a really funny story because at that time, the only way I was making money was through YouTube. And I was making $8 a day. Nice. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to produce like eight videos a day. And then by the end of like eight months, I'm going to be just, you know, making this ad revenue and it's going to support me. It didn't really work out. But luckily I was able to do something else and I was able to ask the audience that I had built, you know, if I created a paid product, would you, uh, would you purchase it? And they, enough people said yes, that it gave me the confidence to build my first course. And I was really afraid to charge people for money. So I, I charged a really low price for it. And I think part of the reason why I was able to do that is because I was sharing my journey with people. 
uh, on my blog. I was telling people what the situation was, and I, I just had a lot of people who wanted to see me succeed. I think that was part of the reason why. So when you asked them, how did you ask them? Was it just like through a YouTube video said, hey guys, I'm creating this paid product. Would you leave in the comments if you want to really get it? I think it was actually a blog post. I don't remember if it was a video because uh, the people on YouTube were actually also following me on the blog. I see. That's awesome, man. And how much did you charge that first time around? Yeah, I charged $37. Wow. Um, and then for the same course, I eventually um, had the confidence to raise the price up to the $99 level. Um, and of course I would add to the course, um, still super affordable though. It is. There's something about charging for the value that they can get out of it rather than charging for what you think it's worth. And I'm still struggling with that. I mean, I think all entrepreneurs who are creating their own products, unless they have had previous experience or training, everyone always, that's a stumbling block for everyone. You know, I think about you a lot as I'm thinking about some of the paid products that I I am thinking about creating and I'm like, you know, Chris has built a great business charging $99, $97. And I'm like, all these online entrepreneurs, they always talk about, you know, not, they talk about thousands of dollars and 500, you know, $1,500. I'm just like, and I think about you all the time and says, no, you know, you have a great mission and perspective. Like I'm trying to help these people just learn and not charging enough. And the fact that you can build a business and sustain a lifestyle without charging thousands of dollars for a paid product is very inspiring, man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I learned a lot to get to go through that. Um, a lot of feedback from students who saying, you know, when you see what they can do with the material that you provide, um, you know, start new careers, uh, change the direction of their lives, you start thinking like, maybe it's worth a little more than $37, you know? <laughs> oh, it most certainly is. Yeah. I know a couple of years ago when we first talked, I was like, this is super cheap. Like, how is Chris living off of this? This is insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All well, right. the, some people do charge a, a very low and they, they rely on the volume, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You've got a great audience. All right, let's go back to the board. And obviously, right. this is the first time we're doing this, so we don't have to get through all the questions if we can't get it. So thank you for <laughs> being the pilot of this yeah. show. All right, Chris, yeah. what's, what's, what's your fancy right now? Personal for 100. I'll see which category I like the most, and then we'll go down that one. <laughs> I like it. What's your favorite childhood meal? Uh, spaghetti and sushi. And a uh, funny story is that I remember this one time, it just sticks out in my head. I don't, you know, back at that age, I don't remember very much. I must've been like six or something, but my mom always made spaghetti. And I know a lot of Chinese mothers, they use ketchup instead of pasta sauce. <laughs> so my mom was a little better. She used like a mixture of ketchup and pasta sauce. But anyways, I loved it still. And I was just walking with my plate of spaghetti to the dinner table. And then I trip and I dropped the whole thing on the floor. And she was so mad at me. She was so mad at me. But uh, I got a new plate. And it's just <laughs> that memory just sticks out to me. Yeah. I like that. Did you always know in your childhood like that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Or what, was, what was something in your childhood that really impacted what you use today? Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. Because I think a lot of people who aren't entrepreneurs, uh, maybe they were raised in a household where um, they weren't exposed to it. But for me, my father was always entrepreneur entrepreneurial and maybe different from the typical Asian household that wants their kid to just be like a doctor, lawyer, or whatever. Uh, my dad was a real estate agent, so he and, and he, he flipped houses as well. 
he started a restaurant, which didn't work out. He tried the couponing business. So, you know, I saw my father, this man, he was um, always trying new things, right? And it was, it was just really inspiring. And when we wanted to pursue something like that, my, both my brother and I are actually entrepreneurs now. And um, he was always very supportive. He's like, yeah, go for it. You know, quit your job, go for it. And I don't think That's the awesome. typical parent is going to say that to you, right? Was he an immigrant to Toronto? You're, yeah, you're- yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Because, you know, like for me, the, the things that were impactful. So I grew up and we came from Burma. I came from when I was six years old and we grew up in a house where it was like literally four families in, in the, the house. So each family had the room. And I saw my dad. He never he wasn't like an entrepreneurial type. And he'll tell you he told me this like, Steve, I'm really good with directions. So if you just tell me I'm not like the CEO type, I'm like a great CEO. If you tell me what to do, I'm going to just execute. But you gotta tell me. I don't have visions. Like I don't. I don't. I know how to execute very well. But I think seeing him and like work a couple of jobs that's impacted me. And so sometimes when I'm like I don't really want to work, I'm like, well, my dad worked two jobs and my mom worked two, and she worked the graveyard shift just so she could hang out with us. I was like, you know what? I'm not that tired, dude. That guy was tired. Like I'm not that tired. So yeah. sometimes I'll get up and I'll be like lying in bed, I'm like, no, get up, dude. Like, what would your dad do if he was in? this situation. So I just like force myself, think about it and I get up, work a little bit more and I go back to sleep. I have more of a work-life balance now, but back in the (laughs) early days, it was just that struggle, just that early days in my childhood that kind of bring it up now. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think that's another one of the typical struggles of being an entrepreneur, like motivation, time management. Um, Just the story to add to that is that when I was working in consulting, I was like the most responsible guy, you could count on me for a deadline. That's what people liked, right? I would just, you know, burn through the night if I needed to. But then when I left my job and I was on my own and I was like, oh, I'm going to do eight videos a day on YouTube. I didn't come anywhere close to that. Like holding yourself accountable is so much tougher. And one of the lessons that I've learned that I've, I think I've grown to learn is that uh, what really helps is if you have a higher purpose. And that goes back to my book, uh, that I put on my Instagram recently, Simon Sinek's start, uh, was it start with why? Yeah, start with why. And it really gave me a different reason for running my business. And so when, you're, when your reason is beyond yourself, it's, it's so much easier to say, I got to do that. And there's so many of those entrepreneurial pitfalls that you, that, that reason for doing it uh, just abolishes. Yeah. Just just pulls you out of there and gets you to do it. And that's, I think I've finally moved past that after, you know, five or six years. Dude, you're like the epitome of starting with why, because you are catering to a great audience. You're not like charging thousands of dollars. You're like really trying to help them along. And look at all the, the apps that you have behind you. Those are your students' yeah. apps, yeah, right? Totally. I, yeah, totally. I don't but know. It, it didn't start I was surprised you read the book. I'm like, you don't need that book. You already started <laughs> no. with the why. No, it didn't start like that because it was very selfish and ego-driven to start with because wh- why did I decide to pursue code with Chris full-time aside from the, f- the feeling of satisfaction that I got? But even that is a very selfish reason, right? It's me. It's like, I feel good for doing this. If I could make money doing this, then I feel better. And then it was all about, I need to make enough money so that I can make this a full-time job right? It was really me, 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 me. And although I wasn't trying to rip people off and I was providing value, it was still very me based. And it wasn't until, you know, a couple of maybe last year or a year and a half ago that 
I started questioning why, like, why am I doing this? Could I be doing another business? And when I really dug deeper, I realized that that's how I created my mission. And my mission today is to help as many non-coders and normal people, people who think they can't code, to expose them to coding and to, and to inspire them to do it. Um, because I think code really has the, the power to change the direction of someone's life, help them create a bigger income, uh, get them out of the job that they don't like to start another career. And so that's been my mission. And it's been a lot easier to do everything else having that uh, guiding statement. I always thought mission statements were bullshit when you read a company's mission statement, but now I understand why they have something like that. That's a great philosophy. And I think, I mean, you need that ego in the very beginning. I've read a couple of different books that talk about like, hey, yeah, it's dark, so, it's so great to be like noble and try to help others. But at the same time, without that ego being the initiative of why it starts, like you're not gonna be able to reach that overall mission too. Yeah, you might be right about that. I never thought of it that way. I'm always but right yeah. <laughs> I see, if you haven't noticed, this, this whole board is just a jumping off point to deeper conversations. And so you take it as any tangent as you want to go. All right, Curious, give me another one. Silly for 100. Silly for 100. Let's see what's under here. What's your favorite movie, Chris? Oh, there are so many. There are so many. Oh, I really love, can I name a couple? I'll name yeah, a couple. Yeah, of course. Uh, I really like The Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption. I liked Saw. So that's a variety of movies. And I used to love, oh man, this is gonna be embarrassing. That's it? what it's all about. Yeah, you, you should say, I'll say yeah, embarrassing all right, one too. All right. <laughs> all right, a walk to remember. Oh, <laughs> Mandy Moore. Yes, Mandy Moore. I, I was a fan before, I was really a fan of her. And uh, I watched that movie, it's another embarrassing thing, by myself. <laughs> I said it, I watched it by myself, but later on, Later on, it helped me connect with a girl because, and I don't mean connect in that way, but like connect with a girl because she loved the movie too. Oh, so that's awesome. cool. <laughs> okay, so my embarrassing one is, it's called The Story of Us. Have you ever seen it? It's no. a very small movie. It was Michelle Pfeiffer and Bruce Willis, but I just loved it because it felt like a, it was a romantic movie too, Chris, but it felt like a more real movie because it was a, a husband and wife they're having like problems, they get separated and they do try to do their own things and then they come, sort of come back together. It just felt more real to yeah. me than like, I don't know, like the notebook, which I love too, but at the same time, like feels <laughs> less real, like a fantasy type of thing too. Yeah, yeah, I get that. We're just suckers at heart, man. <laughs> All right. Romantics. Romantics, I love it. All right, <laughs> here we go. Let's go to the next one. Let's go personal for 200. Oh, you have a timer right there. Yeah, Merge, who's also on there. She put this <laughs> together for me, so thank you, Merge. Nice. Uh, oops, did I click the wrong one? Childhood memory. Oh man, this is tough, on the spot, on the spot. Uh, favorite childhood memory. How far back do I have to go? As far as back as you want, man. It's, your, it's about you. Hmm. There are so many. I, I think that thinking back on my life, um, especially back during that time. So, so I was born and raised in Toronto and, uh, and then my family moved to Vancouver when we were about, uh, maybe eight years old, grade three. 
Um, at that time, my dad had built up some wealth because of the real estate stuff, but he felt like the real estate market here wasn't, wasn't going to be good. So he went to Vancouver to pursue something else. And um, at that time, you know, he, he got involved with the stock market, like penny stocks and stuff like that. So he lost a lot of wealth and uh, we were, we had to start renting a basement and we were living there. And I remember like back then um, going to school, you know, life was simple. Um, but I would, those were, those were some of the happiest times in my life. Um, it was just myself, my brother, my mom and my dad. We didn't have a ton of money, but we would still find things to do that was that were a lot of fun. Like on the weekends, we'd go to the library together. We'd go to the mall and we'd have routines. Like I'd go to Sunday school on Sunday and then afterwards we'd go eat chicken wings. And you know, these are some of the, like the, literally the best memories of my life. And it has nothing to do with money or anything. It has everything to do with family. It's, it's so funny because I started thinking about this too. And like my favorite memories were going to the library with my dad. And I forget what day it was, but it would be like every week. And so it's something I've tried to do with my kids where I'm like, look, they, and they always complain, Chris. They're like, I don't want to go to the freaking library. I don't want to go. But I'm like, dude, this is one of my memories I have with my dad because my mom was working at night. So she wouldn't be around, but my dad would take us to the library every day. And I don't know if that's where my love of reading came from. I know that he always had books. He taught himself how to code. And so I was like, I don't know if it was that, but it's weird. As, and this is sort of why I like this show and why I wanted to do this was you don't, you know, Steve Jobs said this, you can't connect the dots looking forward, right? You can only oh, look at so true. Right. You can, and so I look true. back at some of these little things yeah. and I tell my, I told my son this, I said, look, some of the things that I may be telling you, you may not feel it until like 30 years later, right? Like when you have kids and you're like, oh, this is what they were talking about. And this is, and it, it sort of impacts you. It might take 30 years for it to really hit, hit you. But then when yeah. it hits you, it hits you. Yeah. Yeah. Did that impact, feeling. did that help you kind of become a better entrepreneur seeing that, Hey, look, you can go up and then you can go down and then being like, it doesn't matter. Like once you, you ha if you have a good foundation with family, that none of this really matters. Yeah, I think if if your heart is in the right place, number one, because entrepreneurship, um, at least the way I do it, is about <laughs> providing value and helping people. And then, you know, you just have faith that that it's going to come back. And um, the ups and downs, right? At this point, I'm not afraid of losing my business. When I first started, I was like, oh, what if, what if my YouTube account gets banned? What if... I lose all my Google search rankings. And at this point, I have the confidence in my own skills that if I lost it all, I knew I could slowly build it back, you know? And um, even if I lost contact with my customers and my audience, if I lost my email list, I could just start all over. It might take a, take a little while, but like you've done it before, you can do it again. Yeah. Part of me wants to do that. I want to burn the ships. <laughs> let's go. Let's start over. Let's let's because I think it's for me like that's the fun yeah. of it. Like starting from the ground up and seeing if you can build it all over again. The have you ever talked to your dad about that whole time? Like what was he going through personally? Has he ever brought it up to you? So actually, I've started doing that recently because I've realized that my parents are getting older, and I don't know them at the level that I want to know them now that I am an adult. And I've gone through several experiences. I'm like, it'd be really sad if, you know, cause anything could happen, right? If, if, if they're gone and I'd never got that chance to 
to understand what they were like when they were my age. What were they going through? How did they deal with having my brother and I as kids while juggling all their other stuff? And so um, now I invite them out for lunches like them some and then I just chat with them. I want to get to know them on that level. And, you know, maybe they don't want to share that back then because they think I wouldn't understand as a kid. But now as a father and as an adult who's more mature, they, um, you know, they're willing to open up about that stuff. And one thing is that I never saw my parents fight. And I thought that was really weird. Like either they hit it really well or they had the most amazing relationship. But I never saw them argue or fight. So that's kind of strange to me. How do you bring to- it up though? Like, do, are you open about it? Be like, hey, did you, have you asked them like, how come you guys never fought? Like, because I saw my parents argue. I mean, it wasn't like big fights. It was just like, you know, bickering at each other. Mm-hmm. No, I did, I did ask them and, and they said, we just, we were really adamant about not exposing you guys to that. So they did a really good job of it. That's awesome, man. One thing I did to, because I don't know if you have this relationship with your dad, but you know, like Asian parents, Asian dads, like old school dads, they, they don't open up, right? Like they're very like hardcore, just. Oh yeah. And so I, I was like, what if my, I think about death a lot, Chris, like, what if he died? Like, what if I didn't get to tell him all the things I really wanted to tell him? So I wrote this card on his birthday and I was like, look, if you're on your deathbed, here's all the things I would say to you. And I was just like, here, to have this. I don't know if he ever read it. He's never brought it up to me, Chris. But I was like, at least I wrote it. At least he wow. knows. And so I've done that with, with my, and I, I like what you said. And I don't want to, I'll do this more with this, but I've done that with my, my sister, my mom, my little brother, just like, look, if I died or if you died, here's all the things I would say to you. Wow. And maybe I need to do this every year because everything changes as That's we grow really up. Interesting. It, it's like a way that forces you to get that out there and to start, it could it could be the beginning of a new relationship, really a different kind of relationship. That's awesome. Yeah. I think about death so much that I told my wife, I want to die first so that you can see how awesome I was. That's it. That's, that's <laughs> my selfish way of dying first. All right. Let's go to the next one. A funny story is like this, this weekend, we, we, uh, because my wife's parents have passed away and uh, we brought Zoe to the cemetery. My, my daughter, she's four years old. And she had a really hard time grasping it. Like we told her that people were in the ground and they were like, how, how can they be in the ground? <laughs> Anyways, that, that's, that's something that uh, I don't know if we should have done. <laughs> I think it's important. Like, but I remember like people passing away when I was younger, but it's not until like someone really close to you. Cause even when you're young, you're like, Oh, this was your uncle. I'm like, well, I don't really know him that well. Right. Yeah, yeah. But when we, I had a close friend, passed away in my early 20s and I was like that hit me hard right Mm -hmm. I saw my dad crying when his parents passed away but I was never that close like we were close but we moved to the U.S. and they were back in Burma and that was that never impacted me but seeing him cry but it was not until like it hit me hard that I was like oh this is what it feels like yeah so I think it's I don't know like for me like I think it's good to know as a kid but then you won't know it until it like really hits you too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right any deep thoughts that you want to talk to <laughs> before I go back to something fun? Let's go for silly. All right. Let's lighten it up. <laughs> I love this. This is so much fun. This is cool, amazing. Man. I'm glad. All right. Give me which, which number. I don't even. Uh, silly for 200. All right. You're staying away from the, the big numbers. You're about to get into a fight. What song comes on as a soundtrack? <laughs> That would be Rocky. That, the Rocky soundtrack for sure. But um, yeah, like that's something that. 
I say I just love that question. That's funny. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um I think that like I'm always about self-improvement. So so one of the things that I'm working on personally is um my fight or flight mechanism. So you know, depending on the type of person you are, um, when you when you encounter conflict, you might like stand and confront, or you might like flee or or downplay it or avoid it. And so I'm more of the latter, and I'm trying to trying to become more assertive in that in that regard, like standing up and uh, not not being afraid to confront and cause a scene. And uh, it's very interesting when I read into this because. <laughs> it's not just like it's programmable. So it's basically an instinct that when it happens, because it happens so fast, like if someone, if someone does something to you, that's not right. It happens so fast that you can't really like pause and think about what you should do. You have to rely on your gut instinct. And so it's a trainable thing. So if you always back down, then that's, that's going to be your instinct. But if you start training yourself, to confront, stand up, confront, that's going to be your base default instinct. So anyways, it's just really interesting. No, I love that. Cause I'm the other way. Like I'm more of the aggressive and okay. I've been trying to work on this. There's a book that I read called, you probably won't need this, but I need this. It, 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 don't stress about, I forget what the exact title was, you know, like don't, don't sweat the small stuff and everything is small. Right. Okay. And now it was really about like the, the example he gave was if, if you're, and I do this all the time, Chris, but if you're driving, you kind of like, and there's somebody slow and you're like, and you pass them up. Right. And he's like, look, man, it's only going to save you like three minutes. Right? <laughs> if you think about it, right. He gave a story and I was like, that's true. And so I started doing that. I was just like, this person's going slow. I'm just going to go slow too. It's really not going to save me that much time by passing this person up. And I had this encounter in the garage where this guy was backing up. And I was like, I don't know if he sees me or not. Right. Yeah. But I'm right here. So I wasn't sure. And so he's still backing up. So I honk at him. I'm like, hey, I'm right here, right? And this guy gets aggro on me. He's like, dude, what the hell? I know. I'm like, dude, you're backing up. I'm right here. He's like, yeah, I know. We see that. I'm like, I don't know that, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was totally like trying to diffuse it and not be like, hey, what the hell? Yeah, but you know, like I was just like, it was more like, excuse me, not like, yeah. hey, F you, dude, you're going to hit me. <laughs> and so I think you're right. It's programmable because I'm, and I do this with my kids too. Chris, I don't know if you do this, but I'm like, hey, Daddy's getting really mad right now. So if you guys continue this, I'm going to get really, really mad. Yeah. But I'm getting mad right now. And so being <laughs> aware of your emotions, I feel like it helps me a lot. Yeah, definitely. With kids, it's, it's a lot of patience and trying your patience. That definitely, it's good proving grounds, right? For that. <laughs> yeah. Totally, dude. Totally. Yeah. Uh, all right. Rocky. Don't play Rocky. So if we're in a fight, I'm going to play something from A Walk to Remember. That's for sure. <laughs> you down. That, that's definitely not going to help me. <laughs> a Mandy Moore song, Cry. <laughs> All right, Chris, give us another one, man. Let's go uh, business for 200. All right. What's your favorite setback or failure story? Uh, failure story. I think every single entrepreneurial pitfall that you know people tell you to avoid I think I've fallen on because the reason I say that is because for me I'm, I'm like a really tough learner and so I almost have to learn things the hard way um, and 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 maybe it's an ego thing right but I always think I can do it myself 
I can learn myself. You know, one of the, the first business lessons they teach you is like find a mentor, right? And then like, I could, I could just probably do it myself. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and yes, I, I figured it out, but you know, it took me so many, uh, so long to, to figure those things out. So for example, um, when I first started, I mentioned I had a, a problem with motivation and time management uh, because at the end of the day, when you feel like you could push a little further, but there is no deadline and no one's going to yell at you if you don't, you know, would you rather sit and watch TV or do that? So <laughs> it's really tough, right? And then plus, we also had a newborn. So my wife was home with a newborn and I had a really hard time separating work and life. And when I heard the baby crying, I would want to come out and see what's wrong, see if I can help. And, and so I did, but then at the same time, I didn't really get much done like that and it kept getting interrupted. But then I also felt stuck because I felt like if I ignored the crying, then she would start to resent me because I was there. And so it, it became really hard. And I don't think a lot of people realize this when they, they are working a full-time job and they have a career and they think, oh, you know, being an entrepreneur is so awesome. You get to make your own hours and work at home. But there's a different set of challenges. I wouldn't say it's easier or harder. It's just a different set of challenges. So that's, you know, one of the pitfalls that I had to go through. Um, and then another one is comfort zone. Um, comfort zone, you have a tendency to stay in your comfort zone. So when you're at work, your boss gives you a new assignment. It pushes you out there and to do it. Like my boss, when I was working, told me to go talk at these conferences all over Canada. And so he sent me and I had to do it. I had to go. And then I realized that the more I did it, it was like, it's so easy. It's not hard. But then when I left my job, I became a hermit again, aside from YouTube, of course, but that's behind the screen. Right. But I like had no desire to put myself out there and go do it. So even like coming on this podcast, like before I, I, I would be like freaking out. Like I, <laughs> so uh, I've had to work on that. And then um, I think, yeah, I think negative speak is a, is a big one right? Um, thinking that maybe you can't do it, uh, maybe thinking that things won't work, and then you just deliberate. And I have a tendency to over plan. I'll plan, I'll scrap it, I'll plan, I'll scrap it. And so I learned that you have to take it. And it's not enough to learn it. I think that's really the thing, because I can read a top 10 business lessons from Warren Buffett or whoever, whichever entrepreneur. I could read it. I can get it. Like, I get it. I know why he's saying that but it doesn't really sink in and you can't really apply it, at least for me, until I've struggled and then I've broken through. I'm like, oh, that's what he was talking about. Like I have to feel it myself. And that's why I'm saying like, I've had all of these uh, different experiences uh, that I had to overcome. And one thing that really resonated with me was Melissa Griffin. I was at this conference called 90 Day, 90 Day Year Live. And she was a speaker and she said that entrepreneurship is a journey of self-development. And I was like, Maya, what are you talking about, right? I'm here to build a, a business and a flourishing business and I'm going to make a ton of money. But it really is a journey of self-development because you're battling yourself. The only thing holding you back is yourself. And I've told tons of people who work at jobs this, that if, um, if you're working for yourself, at your business and you don't push harder, you start to hate on yourself. You start to say like, oh, you know, I, I, I suck. Why couldn't I do that? Why can't I push that extra mile and get that out the door? 
why couldn't I do this? And then you start like just really hating yourself. Whereas if you're at a job, you have someone to hate. You can hate your boss. You can hate your manager. You can gossip about them behind their back with your coworkers. But when you're working for yourself, that's all you. Like you're, you are that boss or manager. You're managing yourself. And so there's a lot of negative negativity and negative speak that you can really spiral down. And I don't know if a lot of people realize that. That's so true, dude. I'm so glad you brought this up. And I don't know if you have a way of dealing with this because I don't really have a good answer for this, but I recently went through that where I was just saying to myself, Man, I really suck at this stuff. Like I suck at being an entrepreneur. Like I, I, I don't really know what I'm really doing. Sure. There's money coming in, but like, I really don't know what I'm doing. And it's just like, I'm like, Steve, why do you keep talking to yourself like that? And I couldn't help it either. Like it was just rut that I was in where I couldn't. And I, I don't know if it's this Chris and like, I've, you know, there's, there's a reason why I do this podcast is because I need to feel connected to people. I need to talk to people. I need that social. That's where I get my energy from. And maybe it was during the time where I stopped. There wasn't that many podcast episodes being recorded. And maybe I wasn't talking to enough people because the entrepreneurship loaning, man. That's why I decided to move back into my garage because I was like, I want to be around people. Like I have a, my dog right here snoring. So I have to mute myself so that Zoom doesn't go into me. But anyways, like I don't know how to get out of it though. And I, I came to the realization. So you tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I was like, see, just feel it. Like feel it know that there's going to be a lesson to be learned from this, but don't try to like overcome it and be like, Oh, I'm brave. Like, let's just feel it. And this is coming after a book I read called the alter ego, which I highly recommend. It's a great book. But even after reading that book, I still felt like crap. So I don't know how else to like overcome it in a way. But I think talking to people is right. Because for me, the moment that sort of toned down was when uh, our kids got a little older and our second kid could go to school. And then my wife, she was deciding whether or not she could, she should go back to full-time work or to work on code with Chris with me. And I told her to try this out first. Uh, so then when she did, I started having someone to bounce ideas off of someone to, you know, talk to about the business and it's really helped. That's awesome, man. My wife has her own law firm and it, that certainly helps too. I'm like, Hey, here's what I'm going through. And she's always a great supporter. She's like, you're going to get through this. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, but it doesn't feel that way right now. Like it, it hurts right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you look back on it, do you know that what's interesting to me is that they say most businesses at the fail at either the one year mark or the five year mark. And I think you started around the same time. If I, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's been six years. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> so you so it's, you're telling me it's going to be okay. Right, Chris? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's, it's going to only go, it's long-term now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you too. So I'm glad you brought this up, man. Yeah. That's one more thing, actually, yeah. when I just mentioned long-term is also that going back to that, that dude, I really respect Simon Sinek. One thing that really stood out to me was when he was talking about what you're competing against when you're playing the game of business, because there are no set of rules. No one's defined the rules like in basketball or hockey, there are rules, but in business, what are you competing against another business for? And so you really can't, you really can't compete on, let's say uh, metrics or something like that. He's, his philosophy is what you should compete on is surviving and playing the long game and who, which company can outlast the other. Um, so I think he's writing a new book called the infinite game just on that concept. And that, that really clicked for me because it really changes the decisions that you make from being short-term small wins to planning more long-term uh, and ensuring the longevity of your business. And it helps you make the right decisions because you start building relationships, 
building trust with your customers rather than trying to like nickel and dime them for a quick buck. Dude, I love, I love that you said that. Do you have a concept of like what you want to be doing in the next like two, five years at all? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so right now, like with that mantra that I want to affect uh, the most people that I can, uh, one of the opportunities that um, we're working on is to get into schools with the school curriculum. So we found that a lot of teachers were actually looking for material and they were using our material in classrooms already. And so we're like, we have this course that we're selling, but we, what if we could turn it into a format for schools with assignments and like marking rubrics and teacher handbooks and stuff like that, make it a semester long or two semesters and then license it to school. So that's one of the things that we're pursuing. And it really excite, uh, excites me because then we're affecting lives when they are young. Um, at that point when they can, they have a lot of decisions to make, they're at crossroads, right? And we can affect a lot of lives at the same time. And when I think about how I got interested in programming and how I got started, I realized that it was because of um, a class in school that it wasn't even elective. I didn't, so it was a computer class that happened to teach programming that semester. And when I took it, and I realized that I can control, I can give instructions to a computer and have them do something. It just literally blew my mind. I never knew up to that point that it was even accessible to me that I could do this even from the PC that I had at home. It didn't require a supercomputer. It didn't require like a lot of smarts and math and all that stuff. And that literally changed my life because from that point on, I just couldn't get enough of it. And I decided to pursue that. But had it not for been, had it not for been that class that exposed me and showed me that I could do something like that, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be here. That's awesome, man. I remember <laughs> like when I was like just learning how to type on the, you know, like the keyboard, my dad was teaching me and I did this game on the Commodore 64. And it was like, Chris, like it was like literally like, you know, like copy and pasting, but typing out everything that they did. And it was this bike game where you jump over barrels. And I just remember that was like, whoa, that was so cool. But I never <laughs> fell in love with it. And so like I would tinker, tinker around, like for me, it came with, wanting to just learn because i learned front page i learned html and then i was nice. on dreamweaver and all that other junk and then i built this i learned how to code with php because i built this website to track our softball we used to play softball every sunday and okay. we kept stats and i was like we should have this on a web page so i taught my i failed this course chris on databases okay I failed it. like i took this elective i was minoring in computer science and i completely failed it and then i was into this internship and of my coworker. He knew PHP. He knew all this stuff. I was like, hey, can you teach me? And so during that internship, he would just teach me. The next awesome. time I took that class, the database class, I was like, this stuff is easy. Like cross join, like all these things. I was like, oh, I, I get it. But for me, like maybe the kid stuff, like it took me wanting to build something that I was interested in to fall mm -hmm. in love with coding again and then be like, oh, I can do this myself. Like I don't need to hire anybody. I can just do this myself. Yeah. All That's right, Chris. Awesome. Let's go one more. And then I've got a game for you as well so at this point we've done 200 for each level i think so pick what are what are the like the 500 ones are really difficult apparently i don't know no they're just more for fun <laughs> they're just more for fun all right let's go let's go silly for 500 let's see what we've got there let's see tell us the funniest joke you know oh, by far. Nah, i i don't know any jokes <laughs> I don't, I really don't know any jokes. We gotta, we'll go back. We'll go back. Here. Yeah. 
I don't, I'm not a joke teller. I, I, it, for me, it's more of like you tell a joke and I'll expand on it. And I'll run with it. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Pick another one then. All right. How about silly for 400? Let's, let's hope that's a certain embarrassing moment. Wasn't walk to remember embarrassing enough? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I think that was pretty embarrassing. Let's try it for 300. I want to see what these questions are. I know, I do too. I actually was going through. Oh, I like this one. I'm glad. Right. So who was your, do you see, see this? Yeah, me. No, I don't, I don't see Okay, it. let me, I messed up. Let me share this again. All right, so for 300, who was your high school oh celebrity gosh. crush? Oh my gosh. I wonder if my wife is going to watch this. But I was really into... Uh, I was really into blondes, believe it or not. So my first was, uh, I really like Buffy, Buffy, Sarah Michelle Geller. She was my first celebrity crush, her. And then there was, uh, well, there was, there was uh, many more. But no, I think, I think Sarah Michelle Geller has a special heart, special place in my heart. Are you watching <laughs> This Is Us? I have, not the latest season, but I have. Is she in it? Yeah, oh my goodness. What kind of Mandy Moore fan are you, dude? <laughs> no, oh, I thought you meant Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, no. I meant Mandy Moore. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I can't watch that. I just cry every single time. It's <laughs> like, this is too much. This season hasn't been as good, but yeah, I agree okay. with you. Yeah, it is like, man. And it's like, I don't know, how old are you, Chris? 35. 35, okay. So like, you're a little bit younger. I'm 39, just turned 39. But like, I'm like dude, you made this for me, kind of. Like, like they, they, the the triplets were born in 1980 which is my year and i'm like what the heck dude so it's like all this like you know, like you're just bringing up childhood stuff that i didn't know i had uh, all right anything else you want to add to this chris uh i think i told everyone a little too much that's the feeling i kind of get right now i i i'm starting to feel a little bit of regret honestly for me this is what I wanted. I was like, you know, I, like, like I said, I think about death a lot. And I was like, hey, what if you had this thing where you created this content that if by chance something happens to you, you had this piece of content that your kids could see of their dad or somebody can learn more about you that we might be too uncomfortable to have with people we love. But like this piece of content, this stranger, Steve, is asking these stupid questions, but it learns a little bit of Chris as well. So that's what the content That would is. be amazing. That would honestly seriously be amazing because like I said, I'm trying to get to know my parents in that way. Right. And yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I want to interview my parents like this. So that'd be fun. All right, Chris, you ready for the game? I wish I had some music on this. Okay. All right. Since you're an admitted big nerd, i came up with a game. It's called, I know HTML. It's <laughs> how to meet ladies. Okay. Right. I'm gonna keep this board on the thing. The concept is I'm going to give you nerdy pickup lines. Right. And you're going to have to finish the sentence. All right. All right, here we go. Forget hydrogen. You're my number one. Adam. Chris, it was element. Oh. But Adam works too. I don't think so. I mean, if you're a scientist, they're like, no, 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 no. It's not an atom. Get it right. <laughs> the world. Yeah. Technicalities. Yeah, no, that's a huge, that's a huge. It's one. an easy one, Chris. <laughs> if you're a triangle, you'd be. The right one. No, acute no. okay what right angles <laughs> no oh my gosh <laughs> the right one works too yeah <laughs> all right next all right. You're, you're doing good though i this like this, this i thought fun. i would be totally off 
Okay. If your name is your name Wi-Fi, because I'm feeling a signal from you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like how you did this hand motion too. <laughs> That's how I'd be at a club. Yo. That's how you do it. Yo, I'm feeling a strong signal. I love it. Your Wi-Fi no, it, it, I should probably put this on here. It's, it's connection, but signal works too. All this is work. All right, let me give the next one. All right, this, I had to throw this in one because we talk about apps a lot, right? You are the SDK in my life. I wouldn't blank without you. I won't. This is not an easy one. If it doesn't come to my ears. I won't develop without you. Think about like what happens after this was like machine code. What's that machine language code? Something that has to, something has to happen with the code before it runs. Compile. There you go. Ding, 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 ding. I need a little bell. Where's the bell? We got one. We finally got one. All right. I think this, I got one more. Let me see. All right. Here's the last one. It's my favorite one. All right, so let's get this right. Let's hit it right on the nose, Chris. Baby, you make my floppy disk turn into a? A hard disk. Good, yes, yeah. there you go, yes. <laughs> Woohoo! I love it. Note. You Chris, need the sound effects. I know, we do. This <laughs> is the pilot, so Netflix, if you're out there, come holla at me and <laughs> higher production on this. But Chris, thank you so much for coming on, man. If the audience wants to follow up with you, learn more about everything you got going on, tell them where to go, man. Codewithchris.com. That's where you can find me. Chris has a phenomenal, he's not going to gloat about himself, but I will. He's got a phenomenal YouTube channel where he really teaches you. And you guys heard it first. He will, he's very passionate about teaching people how to learn. So if you want to learn how to code, make that first app, make that career transition. If you're like me, let's just burn everything. Let's start all over. Let's see if I can get my hands into the development world. We'll go to codewithchris.com, very affordable courses. The YouTube channel has all the free stuff if you want to check that out too. But if you want to take it really seriously, go to codewithchris.com. Chris, I can't thank you enough, my brother, it was for coming my on and doing this, man. My pleasure. I had a ton of fun. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Awesome. Thank you guys for watching, listening, wherever you are. I'll see you guys on the next Spy Shack.